Welcome to another episode of the Mindset Athlete Podcast with me, James Roberts, transformational coach, two-time Paralympian, and TEDx speaker. I have another awesome episode for you today, so let's get straight into it. And on today's show, I've got Dan Drubben. Dan helps men get leaner, fitter, recapturing their masculine confidence post. I'm oh, get say. to me. So welcome on to the show, Dan. Thank you very much for having me, James. Oh, yeah, it's a bit absolute, of a mouthful, that. It's my absolute pleasure. So reword that for me again and for the audience, because obviously I've butchered it. No, no, no worries at all. So I, I could barely pronounce it myself. There's a couple of English words that I, uh, given, even given my um, my accent, can't quite tell you. It's all, all kept to me. So basically it's a removal of one of uh, uh, life's um, more important things to do with a man. Um uh one of your testicles sadly sometimes it could be both luckily it was just one for me um yeah i mean shall I fire on straight into the story i suppose uh, and for you dan is there any history of cancer in your family no not that i'm aware of um i mean there's high blood pressure and i think there was you know there's um what else was it dementia but there's nothing in terms of cancer as far as i'm aware unless it's like very very distant um relatives and for you was it were you caught unawares because obviously your background is is as a personal trainer that's now moved on on online you were very very fit if you were to look at well even pictures now you're in relatively good shape but were you caught unawares back then being very healthy, very, very strong, etc. Relatively. Thanks, James. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, um, it's, it's interesting because I was always a, I tried to get like a good split. And sometimes, mate, I don't like, you know, I, I never really, you know, smoked. Uh, I like to have loads and loads of beers. So I, I, after the weekend, in terms of like post rugby and what have you. So I was very sociable. Uh, started personal training, gosh, 12 years ago now. And it was very much a work hard, play hard sort of um, industry, or I kind of put it that way, because I was working, yeah, London Bridge um, in fitness first. Well, I was getting in at half five, sometimes leaving at 8 p.m. Monday to Thursday, and then Friday to have a half day. And yeah, enjoy myself on the weekend, shall we say. And then it all rolled around again. I was 25. I didn't really think about it too much. Moved on a wee bit. And then, yeah, so October 2019, I was actually just about to go off to um, Japan for the Rugby World Cup. Um, ridiculously excited. And infamously, he's actually now a client of mine, um, who's a chap from uni. He put on Facebook that he'd, um, yeah, he'd, he'd found, a, found a lump and gone to his consultant and Chelsea Westminster and um yeah it was it was stage two I think um and he put that on Facebook and I was like oh wow Christ okay so I literally as most men do in the evening watching a film had a little fondle um and I was like wow this is a bit strange just felt like an acorn so you see one on the floor and it's just got like a little bit of a um I don't know the shell at the bottom and I went that's far too coincidental um anyway i just thought it was a spot or something and i didn't have any time to kind of book an appointment before i left so in the kind of like three and a half weeks i was away it definitely got 
um, well, it got bigger, the left hand, my left hand, left testicle, and my right actually got smaller. I was like, okay, this is not good. Got back, saw a consultant, and they said, uh, yeah, we're going to have to uh, do a CT scan. And they can't actually test it because it's obviously kind of like almost external from the body. So they have an MDT meeting between them and the um, the consultants, and they go, right, well, in our professional opinion, um, there was a, a bit of a stop, a bit of a stopgap three weeks in between over Christmas, New Year's. There might have been a couple of phone calls that didn't go my way that uh, I had no bloody idea what was going on, which was not particularly nice in terms of peace of mind. Um, and then found out about three weeks later, they were like, all oh, right, in our opinion, we think we're going to have to remove your left testicle, Mr. Drummond. I was like, holy shit. Um, somebody that had been with you for the best part of 34 years at the time. Um, and I suppose you just go through different emotions. One is... And how, how can it happen to me? Because, yeah, I had no real history of it at all. Fit, um, you know, very active chap. Um, didn't really kind of like burn any bridges or really kind of tinker with my health at all. And, you know, sometimes when you hear about people getting certain to, certain problems or um, certain cancers or something, they can be long-term smokers or something. So it's just one of those things where it just kind of hit me like a like a ton of bricks um and then they were like right well we're gonna have to remove it we can get you in a week later here we go it's like whoa um and you just kind of think of you know well why me right or well i don't <laughs> um and you know luckily it was stage one um i had to spend about five hours pre my uh pre my op uh sweating there in the um in the waiting room but all went well. It was stage one. There was no chemotherapy spent. Um, but it was always the the journey after that was particularly hard, I must say. So that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> so, so talk to us about the the aftermath, the recovery, and the rehab. Then, if you said it was that was the, where it got time got tough. Yeah, I mean, I I was working in Mayfair at the time as a um, uh, as head of training for, for a company in Mayfair, it was run by two brothers. And they knew that, obviously, you know, I was not full of beans all the time, Miss Merry Sunshine, but I was making sure I, you know, I had to instill a level of authority with all our training team. And it's quite clear that I, I'm a heart on my sleeve kind of chap. They're like, right, you know, what's going on? So they were the only two people I told. Um, and they were like, right, Christ, okay. Um, so I, you know, shared a load of knowledge and obviously experience but none of that and so i basically just yeah in my flat on my todd um my parents live in spain which is where i am now and so it's just me um uh, maybe it's my own fault i didn't really have you know a lot of i didn't really call any many mates to go oh, do you want to come around and watch a film what have you um i kind of you know sheltered myself a little bit it was january it was a particularly shite time in terms of weather and i didn't really help myself but yeah it's right in your abdomen so they can't actually go through you know a little bit of a you know a wonderful image go through your scrotum they have to go through your abdomen in order to uh put out all the necessary tubing shall we say james put it uh, politely so it's a very uncomfortable bit of surgery uh so sneezing coughing going to the toilets um sitting up sitting down 
everything is incredibly painful. It's like a six-inch slice in your abdomen. Uh, and not, not trying to blow my own trumpet, but having a rather thick abdominal wall, it took a lot of time to recover. Um, so, yeah, and then I didn't really help myself. And as soon as I could kind of go back to work, two weeks later, I went back. Uh, and I didn't really invest any time and into myself. I was like, right, recover, go for a walk one day, eat well, let's go. But I actually got offered some um, from a existential psychotherapist from Macmillan Cancer Research, and I kind of blew it off for the first month. I was like, I don't need it. Nah, I'm a bloke. Blokes don't need this. We're rock hard, and you know we're we're fine. You know, which was an incredibly naive, and I actually now call it looking back on it, stupid mindset to have. So I went back, and after a couple of weeks, I <clears throat> went through work and was trying to do kneeling press-ups and uh, very limited, um, you know, fast walks on the cross trainer. I really wanted to get back to my old self as quickly as possible, um, but I couldn't. <laughs> so I then spoke to my, <clears throat> and I think said to a psychotherapist, this lovely Italian lady who's almost like my my grandmother that uh, no longer sadly is in this, uh, on this, on this world, in this world anymore. So she just kind of said, you know what's important to you and ask me questions that really kind of made me wonder about what i was actually doing you're trying to get somewhere um super quick and then when you get there what are you going to do about it so you're going to get really super fit you're going to feel amazing you're going to get back to work get loads more clients and then what you're going to be on this you're at the bottom of this mountain you get to the top and then what do you do i wasn't trying to slowly put one foot in front of the other to enjoy the journey i was just looking at the destination uh, and i've spoken to a lot of chaps who just done that they want to get back to where they were they don't look um up the side of the mountain to see where they're going they just say beginning end that's it which is much to most most people's detriment because the journey is the most important part you can't just fast forward life and just wait for the day where you're going to be happy and rich and recovered and and feel well you've got to go through all the shice in between it's having <laughs> do you feel you're in denial to some extent of almost i can't grieve over what i've lost and it's almost like a how do i describe this like a badge of honor for all ma males as i i can't show any emotion i can't show anything that is perceived as weakness so do you feel that you did that to, to try to get on with it as fast as you could and get back to what you've said about getting back to normality as quickly as possible yeah i mean it was interesting um yeah the same chap i just to he's, he's literally about six months between me and he had his he had his operation six months before me um, we were always thinking like, oh, we've beaten cancer, testicular cancer, and we are now invincible. We could do anything. Can go out and <clears throat> drink, you know, multiple beers or enjoy ourselves to the max, eat whatever we want. Uh, and we're, we we can do this. We can we can do anything. Whereas really, that just sided with me that we're, we're not actually invincible. Uh, and it was a, you know, a massive... Uh, should we say, I don't know, something in the rail tracks that basically just made you stop and realise. And it's only really been since, strangely, since I've started uh, becoming an online trainer and talking to a lot of people in the last three months 
that is you have to look after yourself that little bit more but actually just working hard and living for one's weekends not necessarily like i do that all the time just a it's just a that's all people seem to do they seem to live week by week by <clears throat> working hard playing hard and then just doing the same thing over and over again but they're not really looking after themselves they might go for a walk they might go to the gym they might eat you know nutrient-dense foods but it's it's only for a period of time so you if it's not consistent you don't see where you're going and you do things for the sake of it then that's not a very healthy thing you've got to have a goal or something in sight and that's what i didn't have i just had a just another day let's keep going keep going keep going so it felt like groundhog day and it just kind of crammed up in my mind and i didn't kind of release off all this energy so yeah maybe it was a bit of a badge of honor of being a a stubborn bloke and if I can walk for one piece of advice, it's also to, to speak to as many different people as possible. I spoke to my brother uh, quite a lot. He, I was the, he was the first person I told. He's you know, he's 10 years younger than me, but um, just to get things off your mind. Speak to someone professionally. Don't have to. Speak to a mate. But for Christ's sake, don't kind of... Even if it's, it doesn't have to be anything to do with testicular cancer, it can be, I don't know, crap at home or what you're struggling with or... Um, feeling anxious about something it, if you're not willing to speak about it to someone else or at least journal it or write it down then it just builds up in your mind it'll become a real sort of like uh i don't know like a monster that's just waiting to kind of like you know attack you at any particular point if you don't get rid of him by expelling all this frustrating um anxiety and crap in your mind to someone close to you that's going to listen then that's when it could come a real burn. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Don't I think, I think it's it, it's almost generational because obviously you and I being in our thirties, our parents maybe didn't talk about. Well, maybe the may I won't say the mothers, but say the fathers in particular probably didn't talk about their emotions because that's how they were brought up by obviously our grandparents uh and obviously gosh with both of us being british and you, you being a londoner of probably living through second world war and seeing some of those atrocities and bottling it up it probably and this is something that i've talked about my family in terms of like well it's probably like um a transferal of traumatic experiences through I'm, I'm going to quite go quite deep now, but from a DNA perspective, us because people haven't really dealt with uh, trauma at an early age, and and obviously I'll, I'll share this, but because of this, it's related to my family. Um, my grandmother was adopted, and her it wasn't technically her stepfather, but obviously the stepfather would say if you were naughty, your real dad's going to come and take you. So she feared a real fa uh, biological father to the point that oh, well in later life she could never t she could dish it out but it's one of those persons that could never take criticism very well and obviously my mother lost her father as a teenager uh, to, to to cancer so it's probably very close to, to, to my heart we're not quite sure which one because obviously it's inconclusive as, as to was it um, it wasn't t t testicular cancer, but it was one of the other two. Uh, but they're not quite sure which one, obviously, 
ended up killing him. Uh, and obviously being an only child, it, it, it can be quite lonely at times. So you, you do kind of, you're at one with your thoughts. So for me, it's probably a transference of all that trauma to me. And then obviously I've got, well, disability as well and trying to fit in in normality. So I can kind of see as an adult now why I've got some anxieties and insecurities in certain in certain scenarios because I've got all this it's not really baggage but all this personal trauma that's not some some of it's not mine so I can't really uh deal with it because obviously those generations nobody would probably listen anyway because you would probably seen first talk later and uh, it's only been in probably, say, the last 10 years, then 15 years with the the, the, the Movember campaign. Uh, obviously, there's multiple cancer research charities in Britain alone uh, to give, obviously, to talk about it, to be aware of, obviously, cancer can take anybody. It doesn't matter what age, what gender, uh, what your ethnicity is, what what your health background is. It's pretty much to do with any illness, and to not bottle things up. Uh, I I don't know why men do it in particular because there's nothing to be proud about to to bottle up your emotions mm. and and almost yeah. wear a facade or a mask in public. But being in a, a really in the shit behind the scenes and you're not you're not being able to cope so and obviously we've only got to go say tw for you and i probably 25 years and we'd be okay with talking about things because we were children it's like oh this is how i feel and you'd be consoled oh dan it'll be all right james it'll be all right but uh, as an adult's I think we assume we're going to get villainized. Oh, the person's going to, obviously, for, in a male surrounding, you're going to get ripped to shit. The ship out of Oh, could get a grip. It can't be that bad. Whereas, I think once you've faced it yourself, I think you have a little bit more empathy because it's like, well, this is what I've experienced. Maybe the person's having a rougher time. Maybe they're having a, let us talk about it. Whereas, you know, having a stipper, stipper, stiff upper lip as is a stereotype of British people, maybe it's not the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. It's, it is one of those things. I think it's getting slightly better. Um, and I think, well, I don't know if it made it bad or better or worse with COVID and what have you, that um, I know a lot of people found it very, very tough. I was living with my brother in, um, in like the North Downs, and he's um, yeah, he's always struggled with his weight, uh, and um, uh, we were. There's no real massive news, but I mean, we were both uh, at the start of January 2020. We were both considered vulnerable um, at the start of it. So, sadly, him with his weight, and then me with my you know post-op, and still just about having my testicular cancer excised. So well, it was great that we were together to be able to talk and see what was on our mind. He's a lot more of an emotional chap than I am 
but and I sometimes take the mick out of it, but it's actually it's no it's nothing it's nothing personal. It's just a it's his personality. He's ten years younger than me, than me and it's a generation. You're exactly right. Whereas actually, I was just as a chap I listen to quite a lot. You might know him as well. Me and Rich t- um, talk about him. A chap called Peter Crone, um, the mine architect, and he's just saying he's like he's probably you know he's just listening. He's you know when people say oh um, oh I'll never be as you know I'll never be as successful as my older brother or as my younger brother or my sister they're like oh yeah you will yeah no you, you're fine you're absolutely fine oh yeah absolutely oh, you're, you're just wonderful glorious you're like you're not listening to them let them churn out what they want to get it off their chest don't let let them stay in there for a little bit because you want them to understand what they've just said as we i don't really like the expression but as the uh, the lads that we work with say, be sick in your hands to be able to see what's come up. It's not a very nice expression, but you know what I mean? You'd be like, right, did I just say that? Or in my journal at night, I'll write down, I'd be like, wow, did I really actually just say that? And then you just feel so much more at peace. And you'd be like, right, okay, well, why do you think that is? Um, why do you feel why you do? I was like, oh, well, you know, I had a big weekend and I've got loads of anxiety or anxiety and what have you. Like, well, do you think that was a good idea? Do you think if, you know, maybe you concentrated on something slightly else or you curbed your time from doing so that you'd feel probably a better and at ease and less anxious. Or if you put something in as, you know, people always have a to-do list, have a want-to-do list, um, as opposed to just being like, right, tick boxing. <clears throat> now I've done all my other stuff that I need to, but you're like, oh, I want to do this. I don't know whether you, you're a you know, pet lover and you want to go for a long walk or you want to, I don't know, go to the cinema, go bowling, go. I mean, it just seems that people just live for the sake of <clears throat> yeah, trying to get to that place of when they're going to be happy, when they're just not very, they should be content and pretty happy at the moment. Yes, we'll go through traumas, our own traumas, but you can always take little slices of, um, you know, little slices of appreciation, but only if you put them there. Like, right, it's Tuesday night. Oh, I couldn't do anything on Tuesday night. Monday night, oh, I can't. I can't do it in the week. It's just just not possible. I've got to save it for Friday and Saturday, um, in order to enjoy myself properly. But if you're not, just like with your, uh, speak to my clients in terms of, you know, when they some of them love their chocolates, summer savouries, you know, whatever it might be. If you just have that little bit to keep you going, to make sure that you're not uh, wanting to just wait till Friday, Saturday, and just end up eating five chocolate bars or a bottle of wine. Then you're just feeding the, uh, well, the the frenzy that is that everybody just thinks that they should only have it at a particular time. And it's exactly the same for speaking to someone and getting things off your chest. Doesn't have to be. Um, there's no great time to start a uh, <clears throat> a health and fitness journey to speak to a loved one to get things off your chest. The the best time is now. Just just literally pick up the phone. If you're listening to this and you're you're not quite sure if you might have a symptom that I just described or a lump or a bump that hasn't been there before, you know, this this is I want to create awareness to be able to be like, right, well, okay, I'm gonna pick up the phone and speak to my brother, sister, mate, whoever. Um, and yeah, look, do you mind if I just talk to you about it? I don't know quite what it is, but um I trust in you just to keep this between ourselves and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of playing on my mind. Don't be a like a typical bloke, just be able to be like, right, 
this is it. And then they can go, right, well, you know, look, the peace of mind to know that when I went to the consultant for the first time, yeah, okay, it was ultraly shite news towards the end, but, you know, without trying to be really dramatic, I caught it at stage one and six months later, you know, it could have been stage three or four and I might not be here. Let's, let's be brutally honest, but call it lucky or just call it being, I don't know, a stubborn so-and-so that I, you know, I'm always one of these people that just goes, right, sort things out right there and then. Don't let it fester, regardless of what it is. Otherwise, it will come. It could come back to bite you. And what wants that in the slightest? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> a very long-winded answer. <laughs> Well, you, you, you mentioned obviously living for the weekend and people will know the saying of liquid courage. So it's 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 it, it gives you a false sense of reality and, and really what the person and this is probably a judgment thing a little bit now, but it will give the person some escapism from reality. Whereas in fact well what you've mentioned of facing the adversity head on, you're utilizing it could be alcohol, it could be chocolate, it could be anything that obviously you might feel guilty about in, 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 a, in a later form because you don't want to deal with the problems that surround you. And ultimately, everybody's not alone in this. They'll deal with that form of difficulty, challenge, adversity in their own way to be able to feel one more comfortable with it um and maybe put it at arm's length so for for me well, very rarely touch alcohol in my life and just because of a bad experience but we won't talk about that um at a younger uh years i think it was 11 and i drank some limoncello and i chugged it because i thought it was lemonade and had a massive yeah massive headache so probably hangover at 11 uh just because it looked like lemonade so i've probably not touched alcohol probably as a result of that of or if it would be in in more secure surroundings that i trust the individuals that i'm gonna stop here and i'm gonna be able to get home and they're not gonna leave me somewhere that obviously some people might do so the point I'm making when it comes to, to, to alcohol, it could be to, to not exercise, it could be to not eat well, is you've had some sort of traumatic experience that you, 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 you feel that's getting the better of you. So, okay, you might not be able to do as Dan said, because it's probably easier said than done to face something head on. Um, I think because you and I have for the majority of our life we've been somewhere in a positive environment so it's a little bit easier to kind of go well i know what good looks like i don't like this so what needs to change whereas i think maybe if the person that's listened to this has never faced unseen success in the past they don't know what it looks like the other side so it's like well i don't want to grin and bear taking this thing on because i might lose or if I ignore it, it will go away. Obviously, as you and I know, and I think everybody, if they're honest to themselves, it's just going to manifest and get bigger. It's not going to go away. And, gosh, this is this is stories told so many different ways, but you feed the wolf that you want to do. So, obviously, when it's the challenge, it's adversity, 
and something adverse, you're feeling the I think it's a grey wolf or a black wolf on it on it very aggressive. So thus if you were to be very rational and think very logically, you wouldn't want to do that. It's like, well, why would I feed something that's going to hurt me? I'd rather feed something that's going to protect me and is going to serve me in the long run. But I think the deeper we get into that dark hole, we lose sight of all perspective and we put the blinkers on and we esteem that our problem is obviously x times worse than anybody else but there might be somebody in the world that's experiencing the exact same thing at the exact same time so but that takes a, an awareness and a perspective to be able to be hey i'm not alone in this there's hundreds if not thousands if not millions of other people at one time or another that have experienced the exact same thing that i'm going through and this is obviously why you need to speak to people because then they make you aware of it because it's another set of eyes and it's another perspective as hey what you're saying is good to get off your chest <coughs> excuse me but you need to look at it from this perspective in terms well do you really believe what you're just what you've just said to me and which obviously you and I we we encounter probably on a daily basis as what you say do you believe that? Do you think that that aspect is true? Where is that coming from? Who is potentially uh, indoctrinated you or given you that belief if it's not your own? Because it gives that person awareness as, okay, we probably do it from time to time, like self-sabotage. Because it's like, well, oh no, I can't do this because blah, 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 blah. And then it only takes another person like Nikos or Rich to say, well, do you do you believe you don't deserve it? Do you believe you you you, you don't work hard? You do you believe that you're worthy of it? Ultimately, when you look at it from that perspective of like worthiness and do you deserve it? It's like well, that was one of the things from this month alone. I kind of went well, yeah, I deserve it because I worked damn hard to achieve it. It's it's not fluke. It's not out of. Uh, any want or, or need I've worked damn hard to it so I should reap the rewards so thus yes I do deserve it so I think this is relatable to health and wellness this is relatable to not necessarily utilizing what is a drug so that could be smoking drinking doing recreational drugs to be able to get to reality because ultimately what is it that you don't like about the normal Monday to Friday that you're reveling in having Friday night and Saturday and maybe a bit of Sunday and I think most people hate Sunday because obviously it's uh, gosh money's around the corner whereas I've almost reframed that it's like it doesn't matter what day of the week I work they're, they're technically all the same I've obviously you can hear it in my in my voice and I me mean, being a bit nasally and coughing. I've got a cold at the moment, so I deliberately took yesterday off. I said, let me let me look after myself and try and accelerate my recovery, and then I'll probably feel I feel a lot better than I did a couple of days ago. I probably I've contemplated maybe not doing this today. So, uh, but I thought better it because obviously you need to get your story out. You need to share. Obviously, make people aware of of this and I've I, 
it self-care starts with yourself so it's almost utilizing all that i've said but utilizing it baby steps at a time if you're trying to do all this at one go it's going to overwhelm you yeah 100 percent. and you know i'm not saying it's easy and it's one of those things where you know people will listen to this listen to my voice and be like right I came from a privileged background and you know i did um and you know, i'll make no bones about it and you know but it's i think my my point being is it, it doesn't matter what walk of life you've kind of come from you can still deal with certain things in certain ways but it's always very important to have people close to you that will not potentially lead you astray if you are there and i think you you choose how you live your lifestyle by i don't know is it the five or the ten closest people to you and yeah before i left for london i yeah, I was probably mixing with the wrong crowd or making myself mix with the wrong crowd in terms of not looking after myself. I was having a lot of fun watching lots of rugby and enjoying myself, but I wasn't really looking after my mental health as well as I could do. Um, and But that was just a personal choice. Uh, no one put me in a headlock and made me go to the pub <laughs> or go uh, uh, on nights out. I, I was purely just a choice. It was because that's how I felt I wanted to deal with my anxiety problem whatever you want to call it and i'm not saying that's wrong uh all i'm saying is that it will just come to a stage where it will just it will just end up just chewing away a little bit so i think you've always got to be as i say i love to journal so anytime you're going through some anxiety adversity whether it be uh, potential illness or you know anything like that it is always one what is it um yeah, speak to someone dearest, nearest, uh, dearest to you. Two, like, I just get literally a piece of paper, A4 piece of paper, right, a line down the middle, and I'll just do, like, pros and cons of, I don't know, telling someone that you, uh, yeah, geez, you, I don't know, whatever, you've got a, uh, a problem with alcohol or you've got a problem with eating too much chocolate or you've got a problem with your weight. You, acceptance is the first part of it and the hardest part. So as long as you've accepted in your mind and you want to take the next step, that's, essentially what you need to do it's you can't just if you keep brushing under the carpet um then it'll just come back to bite you so if you have been all right okay cool what's the next step write things down on a piece of paper uh, so you can actually see them there in black and white speak to someone close to you get an opinion and then you've got the well the stepping stage and then geez nothing wrong with finding yourself a coach or speaking to a gp speaking to someone um, I think it's very important to at least if you have nothing in terms of like an illness or a problem or what have you then that's great that gives so many people such an amazing peace of mind but some people almost imagine things that they've got when they haven't they'll <laughs> oh I've got <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, 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 on. One, that's one of the things I've stopped doing in terms of uh, is try to save self-diagnose and, and obviously I'll share this because obviously it's re relevant to the times that we live in of, you know, when you were given your vaccinations, you were given, you know, the side effects. And I read that the first, after the first one, I got every single, well, not every single one. I got one in every single category. And the point that I'm making is I'm very much a, or what do you call it? Oh, I can't think of the word. Hypochondriac? Yeah, that's the one. 
so you you almost put yourself into that position already of of un- uncertainty but you 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 are fearing the worst and i think if people were to look at this and think probably proactively as well you're not going to let the worst thing happen because you would put the the steps in place to obviously not have the catastrophe come in place because otherwise you wouldn't be a human being because it's like, well, I don't want that to happen. So what am I going to do? And almost work your way backwards to then give yourself a plan. Um, and obviously I've made it not a mission, but I, I'm aware when I might do it in some other aspects of be it, you know, reading too many negative things on social media. Okay. You can have, I think, I, I think, when did I do this? like religiously about 2021 i kind of went well you can read five comments and that's it 10 at most and then you have to come off that platform and obviously that helped me because that didn't help me at the beginning of 2020 because pretty much you went obviously so the internet went nuts because it's like oh you could probably be there uh, and what i was finding myself doing was doing that last thing at night and I've said to people, don't ever do something like that. But and reading all the negativity when it came to, to obviously um, the this this disease, and I think probably people misinformation. It didn't matter. It was, it was kind of making me me feel more more and more and more miserable by the day. And obviously, you can quite escalate into anxiety and, and depression quite easily because it's like it's almost being uh the thousand paper death by thousand paper cuts is is, is gradual a bit it's making it whereas if you'd have taken one in the in the back straight away it wouldn't be so bad because it's it's instant um and i've i find my i found myself doing it recently i was like okay you're looking at tiktok you're looking at instagram you're looking at the negativity yeah james stop because it's it's making you it's making you feel a certain way, and you don't want to feel like that. So it, it's it's almost more uh, how would I describe this a rapid rapid response because it's like okay that was one comment last night. Okay, now nah, I don't want to feel like that because that's put that's that's a person's opinion. It might be right, it might be wrong, but it's making him it's making me feel a way that I particularly don't want to be at. Uh, not necessarily I want to avoid it, but I'd rather feel somewhere in between or feel a little bit um, more joyous, happy, and ecstatic with life. So I I think probably that awareness, because I'm not well, that's going to make it worse. So I was like, okay, maybe let's look at social media a little bit less of if there's like an intent i've going there for a purpose what is that purpose and almost like you've got a clear clear cut idea of why you're doing things okay this it's quite hard and it's quite deep what i'm talking about but you i think as you you get better with the acceptance and the awareness you're able to make things a little bit more clear cut a little bit more robust and almost uh draconian for you that's an extreme. I'm not saying you have to do that, but giving what's going to suit you best to keep you on track when it comes to 
why well, I, I use exercise like as a non-negotiable it's like well you you do it and then if you don't do it obviously you don't complain because you, you you're almost uh what was jack willock said the other day obviously you if you don't use it you lose it so as you get oh as i think you and i are in the 30s if we don't make it a steady thing that is a non-negotiable it's gonna be a little bit more difficult in the 40s that much more difficult in the 50s and so on and you don't want to be that individual that sees the old people that's like hunched over they possibly or maybe they might have done who knows but probably for for argument's sake they didn't take care of themselves 30 years previously that's the result and I think m- most people don't want to look like that and don't want to be viewed as invalid, etc. So it, I think, like you said, and I echo it, of having the courage to do it now and almost utilising the steps as a learning process as not as success, failure. It's, it's right, but if you... Also, it's your duty as a friend, parent, brother, sister that if you see someone close in your life that's clearly not doing well, that is probably not an open book who wants to say something, then it's in your duty to take them aside and have a quiet word and just be like, right, look, I don't want to hear any of this crap that, oh, I'm okay, you're clearly not. Come on, sit down or let's meet up for a coffee next week and let's chew the fat, let's get on with this. There's a certain level of empathy I've got with people and obviously I've been coaching for years and there's that, right, okay, you're going through a tough time, clearly. And then there'll be that time where they just need a, you know, not a physical or literal clip around the chops or rock at the backside. I'll be like, no, just fucking tell me what is going on. Because some people work in different ways. Some people like, you know, they're kind of like the soft and silent, chilled out approach and want to just be talked to. And others, you genuinely need to try and get the blood out of the stone. they be like, almost give them a metaphorical headlock but like no i'm not leaving until you tell me what's on your mind because it's really pissing me off uh and i know i'm not necessarily thinking that i can help you i'm not a magician but i might be able to point you in the right direction or at least hear you out for something that you might need assistance with that might be really detrimental to you if you don't open up um so i'd always say that from other people yes okay you gotta look after yourself 100 percent. but some people need to be pointing that right direction. That's why I like to think I get as a coach, empathetic. But then sometimes with my clients, they're like, I can see it. They give a kind of give you that look, and they're like, right, okay, I'm changing to the other side of the flipping the coin here. You need to basically buck up and get on with it. And actually, if you really, really want to do something, I always use it for everything. You know, achieve a goal, uh, be looked after, and look after your health and mental health and your anxiety. Make sure that you've Take the peace of mind box that you might have a symptom or a lump or a bump and you really want to get it sorted out, you've got to do it yourself. If you really want to do something, you'll do it. So, and that's the that's the mindset you have to have and you've really got to want to do it. It takes people ages to get there sometimes, but it has to come from sometimes from some friends and just having a hold, you know, sort of cold, hard look at yourself in the mirror, writing things down that plague things on your mind, getting it all out in the open, reading it. Uh, when you've obviously written it down and just going, right, that's what's annoying me. Really? <laughs> ah, come on. That's a joke, isn't it? Or it's something medial was, you know, I don't know. You, 
you can't get the promotion you can at work because you're you know you're not in the right mindset or something's so it's something on your mind but not writing it down and finding out what it is can eat you up for ages so regardless of what it is um always try and attack it speak to friends and family if your friends and family see it and one of your loved ones so that they're not quite the same sitting down sometimes they need a soft approach sometimes they need a exactly metaphorical headlock to get that information out but it's all about thinking about the long haul thinking about getting the, the you know the end of the road and just trying to make people's journey as smooth as they possibly can and if it's a bump and the journey is not particularly smooth at least you know that so you can tackle it head on so this has been a, a amazing conversation dan um so i'm going to ask you uh last three questions before we end the episode if you got to sit down with any athlete dead or alive for that matter who would that be and why uh well i think it's a bit of an easy one i've played rugby for uh for 20 years and it has to be the my favorite rugby player of all time is joan loman um and you know very sad that he had an illness from a very young age and but the way he came onto the stage uh the rugby say in what 95 world cup um and he was 99 as well and just the way he just kind of i don't know he just exploded onto the pitch it was a lot of players think about it now he'd still have the same impact but he was such a humble bfg and you know most kiwis are um and he just used to literally rip through teams and after he'd be like the most humble chap in the entire world and probably shake your hand and buy you a beer uh and what an, an amazing sort of blend of characteristics to have to be that size and shape and um have that much of an impact um, on the pitch and then off and uh, yeah very sad that he he uh departed this life far too young he's only in his early 40s uh, but uh, there we go he'd definitely be in and then obviously as your coach i'm going to give you a two-parter to this so this is very rare ask this question if you were going to sit down with any coach dead or alive for that matter who would that be and why um i suppose it'd still be a uh being the rugby coach i suppose i've always I've always admired Eddie Jones. He's a very Jekyll and Hyde, uh, chalk and cheese, love to hate kind of chap. But he's, you know, a lot of people forget that he was coaching for Australia in that 2003 final. And I read his autobiography and he was, it affected him for years, as it probably would. Um, and then obviously he took a couple of months, a couple of year hiatus. Then he was number two in South Africa when they won the World Cup in 2007. Uh, and then 2011, I think he was coaching in in Japan, and he brought them. Obviously, I went over. He brought Japan on the world stage in 2015 in their own home tournament. And I mean, geez, the what he did for obviously being there as well, Japanese rugby and that game against South Africa in Brighton in 2015. I will never forget that in my entire life. I wasn't sadly there, but I remember watching him of his, you know, will and desire to. He doesn't care. He he treats the media like he gets, you know, like they treat him, just like a, you know, an empty coke can, just literally just popping the bin when they've finished using him, kind of thing. But he has such a a gnarly, tenacious, almost unbreakable personality that he's just like, I don't really care. Very kind of flippant, but like, right, well, oh, you've said that. Oh, that would probably affect nine out and a half out of ten people. But I can't really give two shits what you just said. Anyway, next question. 
water off a duck's back and I think is an amazing kind of quality to have and he's also you know, an incredibly successful coach at the same time and the last question before we sign off if you had to summarize into one sentence what we've spoken about today for people to take away what would that be check your balls <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm not joking uh genuinely uh from from that point of view yes uh, I say it to a lot of people, it's like, like tongue-in-cheek. Uh, and, you know, I do my C-dips in the morning. They're like, Christ, Dan, you know, you've got some serious balls on you. I was like, no, no, serious ball on me. <laughs> and, yeah, it takes a lot of courage to speak about it, and it's taken a while. Um, but I think you, everybody gets that stage. They might need a little bit of a help, helping hand on the way. I don't know, I'm definitely not in a sentence. But, yes, um, don't be afraid to, you know, talk to someone to feel a little bit shite with yourself. Um, but if you do speak to someone and don't let it first. So once again, Dan, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Athlete Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, James. That's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this episode and got loads from it. Anything that was included and discussed will be available in the show notes below. And I would love to hear from you. Come and connect and ask your questions. I've been James Roberts from jamesowenroberts.com. Remember this quote by Chris Hart. An athlete is a mindset. It's how you prepare, think, and execute, not by some elite status or physical stature. Anybody can be an athlete. <laughs>